Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Geico of Mobile, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, and sometimes it's ugly, and sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's hot and rainy. This week's sponsor is your local Geico of Mobile. Hey y'all, did y'all know Geico offered water service? That's right, it'll cover breakdowns, gas problems, all kind of stuff like that that we may run into on the water. Hey, and you can even bundle it with your existing boat insurance to save more. Call Ron Davis of Geico Mobile and get you a quote, 251-445-0053. That's Ron Davis at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. I'm your host, Brian Sim, with co-host Stephen Wisdom. What's up, buddy? Man, I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad it's not raining today. Yeah. Because it has rained and rained and rained and rained and rained, and then it rained a little bit more, yeah. and my grass continues to grow at a rate in which I don't want to cut it. Right. And so, I'm glad good, it's not raining today. Good news is I haven't had to water the tomatoes a whole lot this year. Yeah. Bad news is my dog keeps eating them every time they get ripe, <laughs> so... And it's a bad deal. I'm going to leave the tomatoes with you. I, I never really understood the love of tomatoes. So you're just not a tomato guy? Not a tomato guy in the context of growing them. I love a good red tomato. BLT? I don't, I don't really care about the green. BLT, extra mayo? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I see it That's right there. What. But the the world of growing them, it just, it's a chaos. It's chaos. It's most of them rot. You know, and most of them fall on the ground and you get you about 10 or 12 tomatoes out of it. And you had a lot of effort for not much return. You, you know, I grew up and, and, and uh, you know, we always had my dad always had a large garden growing up or most of my life. He did. I remember as a young man, you know, picking peas and butter beans and, and things like that out in that summer sun and just baking down on you, no shade or anything. And, and I just remember thinking, why in the world would anybody plant a garden when they can? I'll never, I will never, ever have a garden. Damn. But I do. But I don't sound, know. It may be something to do with age. Dude, I just got old and I was like, I want a garden. First of all, you sound as country as they get, bro. <laughs> like butter beans. And, <laughs> and how we're getting off on gardens, I have no idea. Yeah. But the ambiance of gardens, uh, there's an ambiance there. But the reality of them is, heck no. <laughs> Well, let's Heck get no. off of guards, man. All we got right. too good a show yeah, today man, lined I do. up. And, uh, uh, we will. Man, glad to be here. Excited about the show. Uh, one of our guests today we've been trying to get on. He's got a very intriguing story, and I've been able to spend some time, a little bit of time with him lately, not as much as I want yet. It, he actually has recently started working for our feed company part-time, and meeting him and hearing his story, and actually knowing about him before that, just you know, being in the, in the world of, uh, of fishing. So glad that we finally got him on. Uh, he's probably happy because for the first time ever in Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report history, we have an in-studio guest. In-studio guest. Yeah, because for those who don't know, which nobody knows until now, we our studio is actually in the same place, our feed company. And I jerked him out of the back from the back of the warehouse to come get on the podcast today. So he's probably happy. He's sitting in some AC right now, not out there sweating in the warehouse. But our guest today is Grayson Morris, and uh, we look forward to letting you hear Grayson's story. And I'm going to let him tell you, but but Grayson was a phenomenal high school fisherman who won a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And that's what I was going to say. 
you didn't just go jerk somebody out the back. This guy's got a resume already through high school that he's won a lot of stuff. It's cool having somebody in studio with us that mm-hmm. is kind of back because Grayson's not a very good looking young man. <laughs> and so I'm kind of kind of distracting me a little oh. bit. Um, but other than that, the guy can man, fish. That's, that's, cold, that's cold hearted, man. <laughs> cold hearted. Yeah. Grayson, uh, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, what is up, dude? Man, nothing much. I'm glad y'all pulled me out. I was sweeping some corn in the back in the warehouse, and I was getting tired of that. Uh, I've been teasing Grayson for a couple of weeks on this podcast, but it seems like it never adds up. And, you know, guys, Grayson fished for Briarwood Christian School here in Birmingham, Alabama. And I'm going to let him tell you his resume, but I think the most impressive for a, a kid his age, and uh, he's now in college, and he'll tell you that part as well. But He's a two-time national champion in the high school level. Yeah, Plus, say that one more time. Two-time national champion. Yeah, strong. And, and there's some other stuff in there I let him share. Yeah, Grayson does not like to talk about his accolades, but I told him uh, too, ma- too bad today because yeah. I, I want to hear it, and I'm sure everyone else wants to hear it. And hear about just his, your experience uh, in high school fishing and and now, and now college. I mean, he, he, he's transitioned to college, fish from the University of Montevallo and again. But So, Grayson, first of all, before we get into your story, this is completely braggadocious on his side. So, I'm, I'm doing this for him. But So, I am making Grayson do this uh, for the record. Tell us your resume in high school and what did you win, man? Like, what what, wow. what does your resume look like? I'm going to have to think a second. I don't even know what all I've it's, won. It's just that much. It's, I don't know. It's so much. I <laughs> mean, it, I've only been out of high school a year, but it feels like eternity since I've been in the high school fishing world. Like y'all said, I won two Bassmaster High School National Championships, one in 2018, one in 2019. So that's the first time a group of uh, high school anglers have ever won two national championships and back-to-back. So as a result of that, we got to fish in the Bassmaster Classic for one day um, for the twenty or fiftieth anniversary. So twenty twenty Bassmaster Classic, and they wanted us to do that to be the first high school group of kids that have ever got to fish a day in the Bassmaster <laughs> That's Classic. Cool. That is awesome. You didn't catch a fish, did you? I did not. <laughs> well, we caught some fish, but then not big enough to weigh in. Yeah, practice well, was a different story though. But yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, to get to the national championship. Did you win any state championships? And, you know, how did, how does that work in the world yeah. of, of high so, school fishing? Um, Bassmaster does a thing where you can qualify through this, your state Bass Nation mm-hmm. trail for the national championship. But me and my partner actually went to a bunch of the different regional tournaments. So we went mm-hmm. to Toledo Bend in 2017 and quali- got third there, had almost 20 pounds, had a seven-pounder, caught them all in an A-rig in one spot all day sat there and fished for him. And so we qualified there at a, I think it was the Southeastern regional or central regional. One of those got third. So the top 10% of those goes to the national championship. That really isn't an awesome experience, but let's segment that. And we're going to get to some, some local fishing in a minute, guys, but let's go backwards. Yeah. I'll finish. Say, let's start let's at the beginning. Well, no backwards from the beginning. I want to hear a little bit about your classic experience and yeah. then let's, talk about how this whole national championship stuff unfolded. So really cool. First high school kids to ever fish in a Bassmaster Classic or a day in a Bassmaster Classic, which is awesome. Obviously, probably, as you know, there was some people loved it. Some people did not. Like, 
What do you mean? Uh, yeah. What do you mean there's a kid in the classic? I mean, there's dudes been trying to get in the classic their whole life their and whole they life. let some little snotty nose kid and get in there. But but the cool thing about it being Grayson and his teammate was it wasn't in my mind, it wasn't just a random high school kid who made it and you know happened to do well in that tournament and and made it. Like they earned it. They earned it in my opinion. It it, it couldn't have been a better team because their resume really showed that they had put the work in versus a, a kid that just randomly won the national championship. But you know, too, this is this goes back to what high school fishing has become, mm-hmm. and and you've been part of major changes in high school fishing even since you've been in high mm-hmm. school. And I'm I mean, and you can talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, how many teams were around when you started? When you got into this, how has the high school sports grown? And to get to a point to where now they're putting guy these these guys and and mm-hmm. letting them fish a day in the classic, it speaks volumes on where this sport's going. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, like there's some guys in the classic that you know we Bass wanted us to go to the meetings, so we went to mm-hmm. all the meetings. We got our own hotel room, went to the uh, gifting suite, got all the free gifts that the pros got. And there's some guys like you look around, and there's some guys like why are these kids here? Yeah, but I mean for the most part, like all the pros and stuff were they were real open to us and like we had good conversations with all of them and they were super nice. But they, there's always those few that are a little skeptical, but overall the experience was awesome. We got to do all the exact same activities that the pros did. So going to the arena before mm-hmm. it's even set up, getting all the tours, knowing how the boats are going to go through the lineup, going up official practice every morning, all that. So mm-hmm. that was really awesome. And you get to see all the work that goes into mm-hmm. a big, it's almost like a production. It's yeah. more of a show than, it's fishing, but it's the business side of it's a lot more than people understand. Yeah. And um, so like you said, high school fishing, like I was a freshman and there was probably 10 teams on the Broadway fishing team, which was bigger than most schools at that time. And by the time I graduated, I fished all four years in high school. By the time I graduated, we now have like, I think 30 to 40 kids on the fishing team. So that's, you divide that by two. I mean, almost 15 boats mm-hmm. you could send to tournaments. And Broadway's not the only team like that that I know. Like, I know high schools all over Alabama are growing tremendously and very rapidly, especially, I think, because the um, quarantine, all that that's gone on. I know more kids now that are fishing than ever, mm-hmm. ever before. I've taken younger kids out fishing who have recently got involved and want to maybe, you know, do a fishing team in high school. And I've taken them out fishing and they just fall in love with it. And it's something awesome to see because that's how I was as a little kid when some of my friends showed me all this different stuff about fishing. And now I get to show it to all these kids that have a great interest in it. And I think it's a way to like fishing is a sport that you can pass down from generation to generation and even mm-hmm. just impact, you know, the lives of others through and just be able to have a good bonding moment on the water. Absolutely. I'm assuming you grew up in a, in, in a fishing home, or is this something that you, you learned as you got into high school and a little older? Yes, sir. So I moved to Alabama when I was going into the sixth grade, and that's when I started fishing because I'd always loved to fish. And, you know, my dad hunts. He's a big hunter. That's all he does is hunt, hunt, hunt. And I grew up doing that too, but I picked up a rod and we lived on a pond when we first moved here, and I just fell in love with it. And I had some friends that, I fish with as well and we'd go out every day after school and just walk down the bank and fish and catch fish and it's something I fell in love with and wanted to uh, spend a lot more time doing and I started watching YouTube videos and just like picking up different baits at the tackle store and just learning how to fish with them 
and I didn't have a bunch of baits like I do now. And I have way too many now that I wish you could just go back sometimes, but keep the simple, but keep yeah. it simple. It just, the further you get into it, the more complex it gets, but it's definitely changed my life. And my dad and my parents have been supportive of me the whole way, which is awesome. And that helps a ton. And I can't thank them enough for that, but it's been something that's changed my life. And mm-hmm. I hope I can change some other kids' lives like throughout my career. That's awesome, man. And let's go back to the beginning when you were watching YouTube because my boys are enamored by it. And my, my boys sound very similar to you. They're, God, man, they, I, I, I love it. I haven't forced it on them, but I love that, especially my older son who's just enamored by fishing. And so did you watch YouTube videos like how to's or did, were you like following one of the YouTubers? Like who was your go-to YouTuber as a kid when you were younger? Honestly, I don't think I had like a go-to go to youtuber because now i mean that's huge yeah honestly like and you said your son watches it and it's just blown up Mm -hmm. but when i was i mean it sounds like forever ago like back when i was a kid (laughs) um (laughs) i still am a kid but back a few years ago i'd watch like wired to fish and stuff on youtube who does all the instructional videos yeah yeah. it was a bunch of instructional videos back then Mm -hmm. and now it's turn more towards like a tv show type thing like a or a reality yeah yeah absolutely but i i've always been a fan of how to's how to like do these certain techniques, how to tie different knots. Cause that's how you really learn is mm-hmm. watching, you know, the pros, people that you look up to do it and learning from them and watching every move that they make yeah. in order to become and like in order to better yourself. Yeah. I mean, those, those other YouTube guys are fun and stuff to watch, but to really get better, mm-hmm. I think it takes time watching specific videos on techniques, knots, hooks, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the two national championships you won, both on Kentucky Lake, right? Yes, sir. And so tell me about the first one and like, how did that transpire? How, you know, what, what was it like going in? Just tell us the story. Most people think this was 2018. Most people think Kentucky Lake, Ledge Lake, mm-hmm. middle of August. That's when the tournament was held. But I mean, ledge fishing is not my strength. It wasn't my partner's strength either. So we decided to fish shallow and people, you know, look at you like you're crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. 95 degrees and the water's 90 degrees, but we ran back into, we picked a creek during practice, stayed in it all practice and said, we're going to figure out this creek. And I do that a lot still. And I can talk about that later, mm-hmm. but I picked the biggest creek on the lake and said, I'm going to pick this apart. So forth. And we ran all the way to the back of it one day, dirt shallow, like had to go. And if you stopped, like you'd be in mud. Yeah. Yeah. And it dropped back off like behind a sandbar. Uh-huh. And we put the trollmotor down and started fishing and had within 10 minutes had like two or three bites and like caught two of them. They were both over three pounds. Yeah. We we're like, huh, figure something out. Kept fishing, didn't set the hook on anymore. And we just got tons of bites. So we pulled yeah. the trollmotor up, left. And then, so that's where we started day one of the tournament. Had, I can't even remember the weights, probably, I think it was 16 pounds day one. And we were like, okay, well, it's like a little sneaky spot. So, you know, you're like, I don't know how many fish are in there. Mm-hmm. went back there day two caught another five fish limit had like another 16 pounds and then the last day we went in there again and said we're just going to go for it because it's been good to us and went in there and caught like 13 14 i can't remember but mm-hmm. it's something like that and we had 50 pounds two ounces for three days so whatever that adds up to. yeah 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 it's good so that's crazy recently my son and i were watching an old high school national championship uh rerun on yeah, we were probably it's probably watching it on YouTube, or YouTube, or you know something like that. But I just remember before I realized it was your year and that it was going to be you. 
he made that comment as a nine-year-old because we were talking because I, I always teach him telling him like what's going on what is this this high school kids and that's championship i was like it's on kentucky lake it's it's the summer it's just and you know i was like these you know and it's like i mean a hot yeah hot. yeah <laughs> and we even talked about ledge fishing and you know the guys they were showing or the people they were showing you know they were fishing out deep and i was telling him about it and i walk away and come back and he's like dad there's these two dudes doing good, but they're up shallow. They're not doing what everybody else is doing. My nine-year-old said this to me when uh-huh. I walked back in the room and I was like, huh? I was like, I was like, oh yeah, look, that's Briarwood team. I was like, that's Grayson. <laughs> I was like, he works with me, dude. And he's, and so that's from awesome. there on, he was sucked in, that's like awesome. watching you yeah, guys crazy. basically do what everyone else wasn't and ultimately win. So it was a cool, it's, it was a cool, oh, yeah. cool like dad. They're yeah. fishing shallow. No one else Nobody is. Nobody else knows and, it. And they're doing good. And I don't think anybody else knows that. And, and, and people yeah. were like, where are you catching? And we're like, up shallow. And they're like, what? And like, not believing you. Yeah. So, obviously, that was an amazing experience. Probably surreal. Probably didn't even really translate it for quite some time. But, you know, fast forward a year, and all of a sudden, you find yourself there again. Mm-hmm. That's really the crazy. That's what's crazy. That's the crazy. So tell me how you approached it the second time. Second year. Yeah. Stayed in the same creek, as you can imagine, that we went <laughs> in the first year. Still looked like, because we knew we had that spot. It yeah. was the same exact week as the first year. Uh-huh. We were like, I know there will be fish in there. It's yeah. just one of those places that you know and you can feel like in your in your body. You yeah, yeah. It. And so we practiced around, didn't touch where we were catching them last year or the year before. Didn't touch it at all. Said we're not going to go back there. Not going to make a cast. Just don't even think about it. And we found, you know, a few other spots uh-huh. um, in that creek that we think we could catch a fish or two off of. Nothing, nothing like we felt like we could catch in that other spot. But yeah. so day one went into the, to the same spot as twenty eight. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're in the second national championship. Yes. Thinking I'll go back to a spot I caught fish in a year ago, and you didn't even like. Practice. Didn't. Poke your head in there and see if you can get one bite before didn't the even, first day of the national championship. Didn't even think about it. Oh, that's I like, crazy, I was like, dude. We don't even need to touch it. Just like go back there and fish. Yeah, you're crazy. Because it, it was the conditions were the exact same. Water levels were same. Exact same. So day one, I was year like, I just two, got a feeling. I was like, they're going to be there. You're again. just like because it's the first week. It was be the first week in August. So coming up. Wow. And so day one, strolled on back there. There's like six other boats back there this year. Uh, sure there were. And yeah. we were like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, you gotta be kidding me. So we just kept fishing, fished it. So it's like a little, you know, canal. Yeah. There's two sides to it. And we fished down and back, down and back all day. And it's, it's in that spot. It's a timing deal. Like yeah. you can just go up and down the bank and you might get a bite. We got a bite every like hour and a half. I mean, slow. Yeah. And first day, uh, my partner took maybe five casts and caught a six eleven, So seven pounder. We were like, okay, that's a pretty good start. Yeah. And then kept fishing throughout the day, caught five fish the first day. So had five bites, caught all five of them, mm-hmm. had 19, 11. Day two, we were like, we're going to do it again. We're going to go back there again. Had, I had 20 pounds pretty much the first day. So we went back there, caught another five fish. I don't remember anything crazy about that day, but caught another five fish for 17 something. And then, so we, we find ourselves leading. Going into championship day of the second uh, second Bassmaster <laughs> National Championship, and you just got to be pinching yourself right and now, like, going like this can't happen. This can't happen. Like it's not meant to be. Like how? Yeah, because <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we were going into so twenty eighteen, we were sitting in third in the final day, and yeah. you know that's a little bit less pressure off of you. We were down by three pounds. We were like, oh, we'll just 
you know, hopefully we can try to win, but shoot for a top three finish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that still sounds pretty good. And now we're sitting in the first, we have the lead first day, the second day, and now we're in the league going into the third day. And we were like a mess. We were a wreck. <laughs> we were like, this has never been done. We're in the league. You got Bose following. You got we camera got crews. We had a got... camera crew all three days. Wow. So they were filming us from day one to day three. Had We were mic'd up. And that's pressure in itself right oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Had, crazy had a guy on the back of our boat all day for ESPN. And we had mics on everything. So everything you're saying, doing, I mean, it's being watched. And so that's a little nerve-wracking. And so the craziest story of the two years was on the last day of the 2019 national championship, we have three fish at about one o'clock lands at three caught our fifth fish at about one forty-five, or no caught our fourth fish. Sorry. At one forty-five, And we were kept fishing, kept fishing. We were like, please just one more bite. We didn't have any big ones. I mean, just yeah, like yeah. we knew that we needed a limit, like a solid limit just to hopefully seal the deal. Cause people in second were, you know, right there on us. Mm-hmm. And we were going in, it was about two, two thirty. We were like, we ain't got a, a fifth fish. Like if we don't catch a fifth one, we're, we're done. Yeah. It's not going to happen. And so this other spot that we had found during practice in that same Creek. So there's like a little generator in the other side of the Creek mm-hmm. that pulls some current in. It's just like a Tennessee river thing, I think. Yeah. And I made this call. I was like, we got to go to it. Like yeah. we got to, we got to abandon this. We yeah. don't have time. We got to go try to catch a fifth fish. So we leave that spot, put the troll motor down at the other spot at 245. No current running, nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, no. Like, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. I take one cast, drag it. I was with, I was throwing a jig. I drag it and then pop it, pop it. And on that, on the fall, it goes, don't. I was like, uh oh. It's the fifth one. No current, nothing. Like, there should not have been a fish there. Yeah. And I set the hook and it was like a two and a half pounder, three pounder, biggest one all day. And we were like freaking out, screaming. <laughs> Pull the troll motor up at 250 and slide in, weigh in at 259. God, that's awesome. I had to check in at three. That's that's crazy. It was just one of those things that was meant to be. Yeah. Make it up. There's no current. Fish shouldn't have been there. I took one cast and caught one. That's amazing. One cast, pull the troll motor up. Or put it in the lava, pull the troll motor up and left. Did the other boats uh, stay or did they grind it out or did they abandon ship and you found yourself more isolated as the tournament went on or was it we did crowded? first day was pretty crowded mm-hmm. i mean crowded isn't like five or six boats you know which for that it's a small area so mm-hmm. that's pretty crowded second day about two or three with us and then last day we were the only ones in there yes yeah, awesome and i'd missed a fish about one o'clock the last day like it'd been our fifth fish and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> i was like you gotta be kidding me <laughs> didn't get another bite till 245 so what what was your approach the, both years did you what what baits were you how'd you catch them mm-hmm. and did you change it up did you see changes or was did you mimic it man so what did you use the first year i think you know it was the exact same thing both years i've have the baits hanging on each one of my trophies uh-huh same jig flake flipping the bushes uh-huh. and same chatterbait that's awesome. That's great. Same colors. What what what, what kind of jig was it? What colors? Like it was a jig that my buddy made. He mm-hmm. lives up in Tennessee. He works mm-hmm. for Drake, and mm-hmm. he makes jigs on the side. Made me one. Yeah. And was it a football head jig or wood it was jig? Like structure jig? Structure jig. Okay. Yeah, it was like a wood jig. Okay. It was like a. It was basically a green pumpkin with a few strands of red and orange in it. Green so something natural. Green pumpkin. Write that down. Strands of red with some orange. <laughs> yeah. In it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, with a black and blue. Rage Menace trailer, so you can ride that. Oh, yeah, the Rage Menace. Because the water is muddy. Yeah. 
I know the, you're a striking guy. Yeah, man. That in the in the menace, that menace bait is really an awesome jig it jig is. trailer. I, I almost use it more now over the Rage Crawl, and I'm I, I'm a I'm a Rage fan. Like the mm-hmm. whole line of Rage products, and I get along very well. And because I catch fish <laughs> with them, but the Menace, man, I really find myself trailering a jig with the Menace more than a Rage Crawl mm-hmm. now. And then Chatterbait trailer, what color Chatterbait? What you know, white Z Man. Jackhammer so, chatterbait. So you were you were mimicking Chad, Chad in that situation, yeah. Flipping just like under laydowns and stuff with mm-hmm. the brown jig. And it's two years and one of us will, one of us would be so what we did, normally the person in front would throw a chatterbait mm-hmm. along the edge and the person behind would just flip. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got most of our bites. Just I mean, it you couldn't tell when you were gonna get bit, but one of us would get bit doing mm-hmm. one of those things. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So transition, nice chat, great, awesome high school yep. career. All of a sudden, you start having to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. You, you're done high school fishing, and obviously, you, you want to keep fishing. And you, so, you just you got to make a decision on schools. And how did you end up at the University of Montevallo? So, I know you know William Crawford down at University of Montevallo. He reached out to me when I was a junior in high school, mm-hmm. and he came and spoke to the Broward fishing team, just you know about the outdoor scholars program, which is an awesome program that gets the youth into the outdoors, how to, it's a great program. It is how to manage outdoor companies or get in, get a job when we get out of college and in with a big industry, uh, person in the industry, et cetera. And just teaches a bunch of stuff about life in the mm-hmm. outdoors, et cetera. And he reached out to us, came and spoke to the fishing team. And I talked to him after and he's like, yeah, man, we're cause the Montevallo fishing team's not too old. Clint mm-hmm. Davis fishes uh, mm-hmm. professionally. He started it when mm-hmm. he was there. So it's not old at all. And they had some teams there and they were like, we'd be really interested in getting some guys from Broadway to come and fish. So mm-hmm. I stayed in contact. And then my senior year or in a junior year, senior year, I started accomplishing a bunch of things and just having tremendous amounts of luck and like mm-hmm. uh, fortune. And that can only happen through God. Cause that was That's not right. me. That's I mean, right. At all. At all. Yeah. Like two national yeah. that You do anything happen. in fishing. You got, you got to believe in the big man because oh, yeah, Mother Nature humble you in a heartbeat, boy. So you're right, man. Yeah, yeah. God, God, there's more you. humbling stories than there are. Yeah, success. Stories. Yeah, absolutely. So. But I accomplished all these things, and I got a scholarship to go fish in college, which was like my goal. Yeah, when I started fishing, it was like I want to be. I said I wanted to be the first person at Briarwood to ever fi- sign a fishing scholarship on National Signing Day. That's, and I did that. That's so awesome, man. One more accolade in yeah, your book. That's awesome. Yeah. On the stage with all the other athletes and signed a fishing scholarship. And that's the first time it's ever been done. That's so cool. And and cool. and and just for you guys that may be listening that, that may not have caught uh, all of what he was saying right there, William Crawford, first of all, just a phenomenally good dude and a good mm-hmm. man that gives back to these kids and has, has started this program at Montevallo where they actually give scholarships to kids that will d- to do stuff in the outdoors. That's right. There's, is there another college in the country that does this? There's not. I mean – or our program now, as of this year, I just talked to William yesterday, and he said we have 70 to 80 kids all there for the outdoors. Yeah. So unbelievable. I mean, so there's, there's colleges that give, like, fishing scholarships, but this is an accredited scholars program by the university. Completely funded by yeah. the president. And he's, it's the president's program, so he started it. Yeah. William Crawford's over it, and he funds everything. Yeah. We go on hunting trips, fishing trips. 
there's always something for you. You got some big guys too that have come and joined this program. I do. I mean, Waddell. Waddell. Uh-huh. Michael Waddell's son. Yep. Bone collector. He's all, yeah. Michael Waddell, I love him. He's always down hanging out in Montevallo. And like whenever you can come down, he'll come yeah. hang out with the guys. And Mason's a great kid, his son. And it's really cool because all the outdoor scholars people at Montevallo, they're all they're all great people and we all get along. Yeah. And it's really cool when you get a group of people together that have the same interests and stuff, the things that you can do and accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I've really enjoyed my time there. That's so cool, man. So hats off to you, brother. What a great, great career. And God's still going to do some great things in your life. And, you know, selfishly, I hope you fish there for four years and then you come work for me full time, just to be honest. But um, <laughs> that's, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But so look, it's the Outbound Freshwater Fishing Report. We always like giving some, some reports and, Grayson's been fishing on uh, Logan Martin on the Coosa River quite a bit and just fished yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he didn't come to work. Uh, he showed up I after. Steve I was going fishing. He showed up <laughs> after uh, he was fishing in his little fishing outfit, shorts and all that. I'm like, you've been yeah. fishing, haven't you? Yeah. And, uh, but tell us about what's going on. What have you been seeing on the, the Coosa River at Logan Martin? Yeah. What, what, what happened yesterday while you were fishing? Yeah, so as y'all, I mean, y'all probably know, listen, like it's a tough time of year to fish. Mm-hmm. It's getting hot. The water's stagnant. The water's almost as hot as the air temperature and that's just never good because the Coosa river a lot of those spotted bass if so they group up offshore right now and i was finding them yesterday in 20 to 22 23 feet and that's where they're sitting right now because they get more oxygen in that cooler water and it's cooler also they're current related Mm -hmm. but the hard time about this year is there's no current Mm -hmm. unless it rains and it'll if it rains it'll they'll pull current the next day or that night but when it's just sunny and I mean, no wind, nothing. It's hard to catch those offshore bass. And like yesterday, I graphed over two or three big schools of them offshore, you know, sitting on the edge of points, or on the tips of points where the current flows into waiting for bait fish to come over. But like I said, there's no current. So it's, they're sitting down there, but there's nothing triggering them to bite. And I think one of the best things I found yesterday was throwing just a drop shot down there because they'll, they'll still bite. It's just you got to work for them real hard because current's that, it's that key deal that, turns them on, it turns and, fires them on. Them and fires them up when the current's running once you get one to bite you can catch them and catch them and catch them but it's different when there's no current you gotta throw something in there like a drop shot shaky head something to just drag through them and get one to finally bite and it can be aggravating because you see them down there and you know they're down there but it's a completely different deal and that's the same with a bunch of coosa river lakes right now i mean you can go out there and still catch you know 30 40 fish in a day but it is going to be tedious and not as fun when they're pulling water <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah when they pull the water on the rivers man it it's a game changer so it is i mean you get one to bite and then they all just start well even when it's hot and there's no water you can still catch them grayson's me. always sending me pictures hey, you, you know, he caught a good one uh, a couple weeks ago uh, showing off good fish for caught, for logan martin yeah i caught an 813 8.13 so on logan martin and that's a big that's a big one that's, for logan a, giant one. that's a big fish that's a giant for logan mm-hmm. that day i had that one and then the smallest one i had was a 352 so i had 23 yeah. and some change yeah that's so is, good which is unheard of on logan martin that's so good well grayson thanks for jumping on and and sharing your story and you know before we get off here share with the listeners and even maybe if the listeners children are listening mm-hmm. what's one thing you can encourage what's the big takeaway you had from your, your high school experience? And I guess what's one word of encouragement for someone considering um, 
fishing and yeah. on a high school fishing team. Yeah. I get that question asked a lot and I've told the same answer every time and it's pretty generic, but it, I really do believe in it is like always chase your dreams. Mm-hmm. Cause I never thought like in my wildest dreams that I would ever win two national championships, <laughs> win a state championship or like Brian would won a state championship in 2019 and all these different accolades. I never thought that'd ever be possible. Mm-hmm. And fishing the Bassmaster Classic, like mm-hmm. I said. So I mean, that's something as a 19, 18, 19 year old that you don't even think is true. Like mm-hmm. these pros are still working, you know, they're 40, 50 years old, mm-hmm. haven't even fished a Bassmaster Classic. But now, now that high school fishing is so big and making such an impact mm-hmm. that if you work hard at it and just truly believe in yourself and put the time in, it's mm-hmm. about putting time in that like you can, you can accomplish whatever you get yeah. your mind to. And even if you don't see it, like we never saw the Bassmaster Classic coming. I mean, it was a surprise to us, but God honestly had that in store, I guess, mm-hmm. and just something that was hidden from us. So, but I know it changed, it changed both of our worlds completely. Mm-hmm. And I know it's possible for any other high school kid to, yeah. for their world to be changed. That's they so just good. believe in themselves. That's Beautiful so stuff. Is your, is your fishing partner still fishing as well? He is. He's a senior this year at Broward, awesome. but he'll be going to Auburn. Nice. So. That's awesome, man. Yep. Well, Grayson, thanks, man. Uh, can't wait to see what God does in the next season of your life. But until then, get back to work, bro. Go back there and I'll sweep that sweep, corn, sweep man. Some more corn. <laughs> hey, man, if somebody wants to kind of just follow your career and what you're yeah. doing and your path, I mean, you got you got an Instagram page or Facebook or something where somebody can go follow you? I do. I've got an Instagram, which is Grayson Morris on, or underscore fishing. And then my Facebook's just my name, Grayson Morris. And it'll have all my fishing stuff when you pull up my page so awesome well thank you grayson man you're a well-spoken young man and and congratulations on two national championships but also on on a scholarship this year to uh to continue what you're doing he's man. gonna so win a college national championship. he's gonna That's do the it goal. and you know where he's gonna do over. it in that <laughs> In, in that Kentucky same Lake, creek. in that same creek, <laughs> they better with that same Lake. Oh, oh wow, that that would be Montevallo, the number two in the country this year. Yeah, so going for number one spot next yeah. year. Montevallo so, did did have a great great season, yep. and they're doing well. So Should be good next year. That's um, that's <laughs> surreal. <laughs> that happened, but Grayson, man, maybe we'll have you on again, uh, especially once you get back into school, get back to to fishing and hear about what's going on so For thanks sure. thanks a lot man yeah no thanks buddy. thank you all good luck all to right. you Please. see ya man that was a great segment i love seeing these young guys i love seeing the, the sport of fishing what's happening with these high school teams with colleges now having scholarships mm-hmm. i mean you've said it a hundred times before if they would have had these scholarships when we were coming up i might not have played ball at auburn and you might not have played football and and uh, we we may have been on the fishing team, uh, so it's it dangerous because you think about it, man. Like I can fish all day. You can't really play football or work out all day. So I don't know that my schooling would have ever hurt with my football scholarship because it's like I never skipped class. But even if I did, it's like you gonna skip a class? Yeah. But if I had a fishing scholarship, you fishing? Ah, that'd been tough because I'd want to t- literally fish every day. That's right. That's right. But it is good to see what's happening in that sport. What a great young man Grayson is. And, uh, man, he's going to do some good things. But with that, man, let's move on to our second segment. And we've got another great guest today with Mike Carter from the Tennessee River. Mike, welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate you inviting me. First time guest. Uh, So, man, give us a little little background on you. And then uh, let's, let's talk about fishing. 
I look forward to it. I look forward to this. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been guided now for, uh, I've been a Coast Guard licensed guide for, I guess, uh, a little over 16 years now. And I've fished Lake Gunnersville all my life. I grew up on the lake. Uh, I bought my first boat in 1983, first bass boat, a 14-foot astroglass with a 60 mariner. And, uh, whoa, 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 What did you just say your first bass boat was? A 14-foot astroglass with a 60 mariner. What year model? uh 1983 bought it brand new in 1983 my very first boat was a 1984 astroglass really (laughs) that's crazy that's so awesome man go ahead sorry go ahead i started tournament fishing in 1989 i bought a uh, my first big bass rig in 1989 that's when i started tournament fishing i've been tournament fishing you know all over the southeast all the way up till uh i guess 2003 and then I started guiding. Uh, really started around 2005, 2006 when I started guiding. So, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's gotten just seems like it just gets better and better every year. That's great. That's great. And the most fascinating thing is just the people that you meet. I mean, it's you know it's, it's pretty neat seeing how many you know people from all over the country and basically all over the world. I've had people from uh, China, Japan, Australia, uh, South America, so uh, England. I had several people from England. And I uh, had a gentleman last year from Germany, so it's it's pretty fascinating to get get to meet people from all over the all over the planet. Now, where do you live up there? Uh, right now, I've got two places actually. I live. Um, uh, we have a house in uh, Cedar Bluff. We stay in Cedar Bluff, and we also uh, have a place in Hollywood, Alabama, which is just north of Scottsboro. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, so we so I kind of rotate back and forth. I, I stay over there most of the time because of all my guiding. My wife has a restaurant campground. Cedar Bluff, so she stays over here. So you know, I'll spend a few nights over here some, and uh, go over there for a couple of nights. So this all depends on my schedule, which here this year it has been just slammed this year, all spring and summer. I bet, man. I think it's been that way for everybody. The quarantine and the COVID has has not hurt the fishing industry and the and the guiding industry for sure. It doesn't seem like so. Now, do you do most your guiding on Gunnersville? Yes, probably. I'd say probably 80, 80, 80 plus percent is on Gunnersville Lake, and I do some on Chickamauga. And I do some on the Coosa River, Weiss Lake, and the Henry, but uh, predominantly uh, Gunnersville, my main lake. Good deal. That's great. And we obviously, we have a lot of guys on here about Gunnersville. I mean, obviously, Gunnersville is an amazing fishery, and yes, a lot is. of people are willing to pay and, and experience that. So, so the, the guiding world on Gunnersville is great. And so we hear about it a lot. They talk about it a lot, but we rarely talk about what we want to dive into today because you know as even grayson talked about his experience in the national championship in the middle of the summer is hot it's just it's miserable it's stagnant it's it's tough and, and and a lot of times it's it's great to transition to night fishing this time of year and that's i think we're really going to dive in today and and it's and i love it because we we haven't really ever talked about night fishing on gunnersville Mm-mm. We've nope. talked about night fishing some, but it's never been on Gunnersville. So, so let's dive into that. So tell us mm-hmm. about you know what's going on in Gunnersville right now, especially once the sun goes down. Oh man, that lake becomes phenomenal after that sun goes down. These fish get into a different gear. Uh, I guess it's just you know Gunnersville has always been just known for uh, you know the just being a very productive lake, being a very fertile lake, and it keeps the grass all year round. So you know majority of people that come in, they just uh, they they'll fish it during the daytime and they're going to catch fish you know these, you get on these right grass lines right ledges uh shell beds you're going to catch fish this time of year but there's nothing like getting out there at night time and one it's a little bit cooler uh you know it keeps all the mats off of you at night and uh, and it is phenomenal when you're slow rolling spinner baits with uh 
with uh, those bumps. Frogs on the back of it, man. It's phenomenal how hard these fish at night. I did an article one time for AOM Magazine, and, and I mentioned that uh, you know, it seems like at nighttime these fish are just they're they're just very aggressively feeding to the point to where when they see your bait, it's almost like they go up in front of it so they can turn around and hit it head on. So it's phenomenal how hard they these fish hit these spinnerbaits at night. You know, I know right now in the summertime and the daytime, these fish are out in deeper water. They're on ledges. At nighttime, when it cools off, do those fish, are, are you fishing for fish in the same areas, or are those fish leave those edges and move up shallow area? That's a little bit of both. It's a combination of both. <clears throat> There's a lot of these grass lines we fish during the day. It'll, it'll work great, you know, as long as we got a little bit of cloud cover early morning or uh, They'll even hit good up in the day if you got some, some wind blowing. But at nighttime, it's like a lot of these areas that you would think should produce fish don't until it gets dark. And when it gets dark, uh, you know, I, I know people that fish at night. They'll use buzz baits and topwater spooks and stuff. And I just strictly use spinnerbaits. I enjoy the the uh, the hit you know that you get when you're slow rolling a spinnerbait off a grass line. And a lot of these grass lines that, you know, that doesn't do very well during the day, they, they really turn on at nighttime. It's like a totally different, it's just like the fish are just buried up in the grass during the day, just waiting for, for it to get dark so they can, you know, so they can start aggressively feeding. Now, are you using a different blade uh, nighttime fishing than, than, than daytime if you were throwing a spinnerbait? Yeah, explain, explain your setup yep. and, you know, help the listeners visualize this, this slow rolling uh, spinnerbait after dark on the grass line. Yeah, I've got two different spinnerbaits that I'll use. Uh, the main one that I use, is, and it also goes back to the experience of the clients that I have, the main one I use is Choo Choo Lure Spinnerbait. It's a three-quarter ounce purple and red spinnerbait, and it has a number seven Colorado blade. It's a large Colorado blade. It's black and chrome blade. And the other one I use is the same thing. It's just it's just a half ounce. So it just depends on the experience I have. Is I, uh, the, uh, the clients that I get on the boat, which one I'm going to throw, the, uh, the three-quarter you know, it takes a little bit to really get used to that big, that big, huge spinnerbait, that big blade thumping the whole time. With a, with a, a half ounce, you're basically going to probably catch more fish on a half ounce than you will a three quarter. But I just like that big thump whenever you're, you know, when you're slow on that spinnerbait. So it's yeah. they're basically both same. But every if you open up my box and you see a couple of dozen of purple and red spinnerbaits with all the black chrome Colorado blades on them. So I don't have. I don't vary in color or anything. I just strictly stick with that purple red. I know what works. Yeah, absolutely. And so I saw in a, in a picture of yours uh, in preparation for this show that you had a trailer on there. And so tell us about the trailer you use, especially why you use it after dark and what, what are you accomplishing with that? It helps provide a little bit of balance and uh, bulk for the, for the, for the spinnerbait. You want something back there that it's going to add a little bit of bulk to it and, you know, and help keep the bait balanced when you're slow rolling it. And the problem with plastics is you go through so many plastics and they'll ride up on the hook and it, it's just a little bit aggravating with plastics. And that years ago, all through the nineties and early two thousand, I was using Uncle Josh pork frogs at, at night. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Uncle Josh has been out of business now for several years. And mm-hmm. so I've uh, resorted to going to plastics and all of a sudden, uh, this uh, rider ended up turning me on to Bob's frogs from fish bites. And man, this this thing is phenomenal. It, it's phenomenal the difference it's made. It's like going right back to the old Uncle Josh days again. Yeah. And it's, instead of going through numerous plastics all night long, well, you put this one frog on, this split tail frog, and you're you're ready to go all night. I mean, you can catch numbers of fish and still have that same bait on there. So it's a it's a phenomenal concept that they've got, and I'm glad they that I finally found somebody that's making these things. 
Now, the Fishbite product, I know the Fishbite company, you know, most of their products are really hone in on, on their scent dispersal and does a great job. And the old Uncle Josh's, you know, pork frog was the same thing. It had a flavor to it. Do these do that? And, and do you see that as a benefit uh, at nighttime on your spinnerbait? I do. Um, you know, fish, they, they go for that vibration, but they also go for that scent, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this helps tremendously, you know, because I can see a difference from the other night, but the first time I tried them, I could see a big difference between those and using plastic. And it has to be that that scent that that thing contains. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've also found out, you know, I want to change color, and I'd only uh, received a couple of different colors at first. So I was going to put some dye on it and try to dye them another color. And, of course, it wouldn't accept the dye because it's got all this scent impregnated in it. Mm-hmm. But once I put it in the jar and put some dye in the jar, well, it ended up bleeding into it and finally accepted the color of it. Yeah, there's no doubt there's a good scent there. And I think, you know, with, uh, with night fishing, these fish uh, is, you know, of course, they are going on the vibration, but it does not hurt in the, at all having something there with a scent on it. And I think that's what really got things going the other night was having that scent trail right behind that spinnerbait. You know, night fishing, pros and cons to night fishing, day fishing, but uh, and, and, and obviously, especially on Gunnersville and a lot of the river systems in Alabama, current plays an amazing element for your success. And But this just popped in my head. It, are fish at night as, as current-oriented as they would be during the day, or is that not as much of a factor uh, because of their, their feeding behavior at night? It can be. The other night when we were fishing and we did well, we didn't have any current at all, none. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to catch several fish. The, the only thing current does, especially at nighttime, it kind of wads them up in areas, you know, that uh, instead of just going down a whole grass line, mm-hmm. you may want to look at an irregularity in that, that contour line where that grass is. Because when current turns on, that's where these fish are going to stage up, or, you know, to, uh, to feed. And any kind of break in that contour line, that's, that's the areas we look for night when we know the current is running. But when there's no current, you know, I'll just get on deeper grass points. But places that I know they'll focus more on, you could actually just get on one line and just go, and you're going to catch fish. But if you get on some that's got depressions or points or little dips in them, then those will be the most productive areas that you'll have. Oh, yeah. So so very similar to fishing during the day, what current really yeah. does for the fish. And it really just positions them in a way that uh, they're somewhat easier to catch and easier to identify. The main thing is, you know, with that current is during the daytime, you know, especially on Tennessee, you know, Tennessee River Lakes, that current increases your bite ratio immensely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so your chances to catch a better fish, you know, you've got to wait for that current to really get going. At nighttime, you're still going to catch fish. I mean, you get on these mm-hmm. right areas of deeper grass lines, you're still going to catch fish. It's just the current's going to help it that much more. Mm-hmm. So you get that current going, then you know these fish are going to start actively feeding. Yeah. So when you say deeper grass lines, like, what, uh, what do you mean? What, wh- wh- where are you targeting these fish at night with this spinnerbait? Uh, around anywhere from eight to ten feet. Uh, some areas maybe even six feet, but the average around eight to ten feet is a uh, you know we got some hydrilla that's growing out pretty good right now. But most of what I fish are eel grass lines where they drop off in the deeper water, mm-hmm. and you slow roll that to big span. That's why I like a three quarter because I can stay in that eight and ten foot level very easily with that big three quarter and get it off the edge of those uh, eel grass lines. Yeah. So you said you know, all you fish with this this spinnerbait. I mean, is 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 that you literally saying that that at nighttime you just stick to your spinnerbait? You don't ever drag a worm or really deviate from that? No, I just that's, I just throw a awesome. spinnerbait. That's awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Uh, that's yeah. all you, I'll, I'll get some guys that'll go. I'll get some guys that'll go with me. And they'll throw a big worm and they'll throw a jig. You know, and they'll catch fish. 
But there's nothing like when they hit that spinnerbait at night. I mean, it's just phenomenal. It's That's phenomenal so good. Feeling. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. So are you are you guiding at night now, or are you still guiding during the day during this time of year? Uh, both. I'm okay. doing both. Uh, I've been doing night trips for years, and and I kind of slowed down the last couple of years. Uh, age kind of gets to you now. Mm-hmm. So you do a night trip now. Yeah. Now when I do a night trip, I just go to midnight. I can't do these all nighters anymore because I, I stay so busy during the week fishing during the day. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to stay out too, you know, too late at night. So usually about midnight, I'll cut it off. And I tell clients the same thing. You know, you know, uh, it's four hour trip from eight to midnight. And you know, hey, if we get on something after midnight, it's on me. After that, we're gonna sit there and I'm gonna let them have some fun. You know, so I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't clock in and clock out on my guide trips. We get on some fish, but we're gonna say they're on me for a while. I let them enjoy it. I mean, if somebody's gonna come fish with you, what what can they expect to catch? I mean, uh, what what how how many what kind of numbers are you guys doing on your night trips and size? Uh, well, we get a lot of you know. I've got pictures of fish up to eight pounds that we've caught at night. Uh, you know, the, the numbers can vary. It, it all depends on your wind and current at night. You're still gonna catch fish. You may catch ten. You may catch twenty. But you get the wind current going, you're gonna put it in that forty fifty range at nighttime. It's phenomenal how many fish you can get on fishing at night we've had we've had nights before back you know several years back and uh i mean you're catching them till you're just about tired of catching them it's, it's just constant one right after the other when you get on these right schools that's but, fun, uh, that's like the other, the other night i think we had probably 16 18 fish and we were only out there a little over three hours and, and uh guy needed to leave so but you know we got on some real good fish and and i really think it was just starting to get good because the the moon never showed up till about one o'clock in the morning. So we were out there when it was just pitch black dark. And with that moon coming up, I really think the fish were just getting ready to get turned on good. And we still caught several fish and had that one over six. And it was a monster fish, big head on it, but you know, long skinny body. But it was a nice fish. Yeah, and that's a good uh, a good thing that, I, that I've always thought about with night fishing too. And I love fishing at night. I'd rather do I'd rather fish at night than in the daytime. Honestly, just, yeah, especially, especially this time, time of year. Of year. Yeah. Right, but um, <laughs> how does the moon? Do you catch more? Do you do better on a on a really dark night? Or I mean, obviously, a full moon when it's bright, you can see a little better. You know, it's it's easier. But do you see much different in fish behavior from a dark night and a and a moonlit night? I do. Dark nights are a little bit slower than, than the moonlit nights, but I also like the fish, like the new moon when it's coming up. I don't like fishing the full moon. And it seems like I have just had, you know, some of my slower nights have been on full moon nights. Well, that's also the nights where a jig and a worm would probably work better. But like I say, I enjoy that spinnerbait so much, I just stay with it. But when the new moon, uh, right when the moon starts starts up, uh, that, like every one of those nights are going to be phenomenal. Uh, they're going to be great. Awesome, man. Well, look, it's a great segment. We we appreciate it, man. Very thankful for you jumping on here with us this first time. And and uh, we look forward to having you back on here a, a good bit and being a regular caller. And I, and, and I hope you'll do that. Uh, but if somebody wants to come experience some great night fishing on Gunnersville with you, how do they contact you? One of the best ways right now, I, I mean, I've got a new website coming out now, but I don't know if my old website's still up or not. Uh, ThanglingAdventures.info, I-N-F-O. Uh, but I've got a new website coming up, Mike Carter's Guide Service, and uh, it's supposed to be online here pretty soon. But other than that, the biggest majority of my clientele come from Facebook. So the, one, of the, one of the easiest ways to find me is get on Facebook. It's got all my contact info and everything. That's awesome. awesome. I want to mention something real quick. Uh, yeah. Y'all were talking about earlier when I first got on the phone about these kids having uh, these you know, high school fishing teams. 
And, uh, you know, you guys were mentioning about, you know, if we had, had a high school fishing team back in our day, you know, we probably wouldn't have been playing football during the summertime, you know. But I, I officiate high school football, and I have for 16 years. And, it's, you know, you see, you see a big drop in numbers and the numbers of kids participating in football now. And, you know, it's kind of like, why do you want to get out and work out in the sun when you, you can be on a fishing team? So, but it's phenomenal how many kids, I mean, these tournaments, they're, it's unbelievable. They're getting, you know, to average of 200 up to 300 boats in a tournament. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. It's unbelievable how high school fishing has taken off. Yeah, I uh, totally but yeah, agree. With, with that, it, it's took off, but it's also hurt the uh, football and the basketball and the baseball aspects of it. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I always said I, yeah. if I could go do it again, I, I still would. I would not give up my football career for anything because it, it was such an amazing experience on so many levels. But yeah, uh, fishing is tempting. <laughs> yeah. Well, we both were the same way, though. We played baseball, we played football, and we uh, enjoyed those scholarships that we had in that. But uh, but we still went fishing when we wasn't playing football and baseball. So oh, I totally yeah. agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a running joke around the team that me and this other guy, we during college, I mean, college football pretty much consumes your life year-round. So I didn't fish competitively in college. But I knew where every body of water in the city of Birmingham was, and we would sneak in at night and early morning. <laughs> I, during college, I got kicked off of more golf courses than probably any man. So if you're listening, if yeah. you remember, and it was your lake that he was sneaking into, he he apologizes. <laughs> uh, I was desperate, guys. I just I just wanted to set just the a hook. young man just, looking to fish. Just wanted to set the hook. Man. There we go. That's there right. Well, hopefully, you guys will get to do some officiating this year in the football. I, with with everything going on with with COVID, uh, you know, I got a son that's a junior in high school that's on the football team, and man, I I don't know if they'll get the season in or not. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, a very unusual time, that's for sure. It is. Uh, you know, I've been getting several emails here lately that um, you know, they're right now they're talking about they are going to have the season. It's just uh, I don't know if they're trying to cut out the fan base of it. I do know <clears throat> what they're doing is offering a uh, uh, the people to to buy the game on pay-per-view. I think it's like 10, 15 bucks on pay-per-view to watch it at home to try to get people to stay at home. But later, I mean, we've got a meeting next week. So apparently they're, they're going to go through with the season. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know how many schools will participate in the season, but mm-hmm. the kids are practicing and everything, everything is on the go right now. Yeah. Well, that's good. I hope it continues. Yeah. Well, buddy, we appreciate you, Captain Mike, man. We look forward to talking to you again soon, buddy, and uh, stay safe on the water and, and keep us posted on what's happening. Hey, thanks, man. Anytime, you guys, uh, I've, I've enjoyed this. Anytime you want to do it again, just give me a yell. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Same here, babe. See you, babe. Awesome stuff, man. We uh, appreciate Captain Mike being on. And, and man, just, uh, you know, it's a little different hearing about the night fishing. We don't get those calls every week uh, on the podcast. But, man, especially this time of year, Stephen, it's a great way to be fishing. It really is. I mean, sometimes you just got to change it up and new experience. and um, you know, it's it's not necessarily easy for everybody to do, but I um, mean, if you ever get an opportunity to night fish during the summer, it's it's not only more pleasant; it's pretty tranquil as well. I it mean, is. It's 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 different. It'll tug on your soul a little bit, so it's it's quiet. It's definitely quiet out there. Yeah, so, which is nice. But, yeah. Anyway, well, let's go down to Mobile Delta with Captain Wayne Miller. Wayne, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, guys. How are y'all? And we hanging in there, just battling the heat and the rains, just like everybody else. I know that you guys in Mobile get your fair share. <laughs> yeah, man. I tell you, once once we get into these dog days, it's pretty amazing. I tell people, you know, we 
it just seems like in the afternoon, uh, it's not a matter of if we're going to get the thunderstorms. It's just a matter of the severity and and when it's going to happen because it's pretty much every afternoon. But, you know, it's not bad. And, uh, you know, the fishing's been actually pretty good over the last week. You know, it's kind of nice to have a little little rain and cool things off, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how's the fishing, man? How's that affect the fish? I know as a fisherman how it affects you. You got to dodge the rain, and, and then you got to put up with the heat. But uh, how's it affecting yeah. the fishing? Well, you know, down here, you know, the, the I, I guess one of the keys to this delta, you know, one thing you have to think about is even, even with heavy local rains, uh, our water stays pretty stained anyway. Basically, all it ever does is just uh, really cool the water off a little bit. So from the standpoint of actually, you know, being detrimental to the fishing, it never is really. You know, of course, you had the concerns about the lightning and all that. Over the last couple of weeks, you know, obviously we've really transitioned into, you know, big time summer pattern. You know, most people are focusing out on the main rivers now. And, uh, you know, I've been having some, some really good luck, you know, on crankbaits and even fishing topwater in the middle of the day around main points on the river. And, uh, you know, just really truly summertime patterns. But, uh, the topwater bite's been kind of tough to come by. I mean, it's really slowed up quite a bit. You can duck into some of the creeks and the lakes you know, that have some decent water off the main rivers and, and typically do a little better on that top water. But uh, if you stay out on the main rivers, it's uh, you really kind of got to get down in that water column to, to catch these fish here. Yeah, and, and so they they school up, you know, it's, 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 of course, the Delta is so much different than the rest of the state uh, with the water depth and, and, and ledges and things like that. You know, uh, there's there's probably not as much 20-foot water in, in the Delta areas as it is in some other places. But uh, these fish, they still, I mean, are you, you're still catching schooling fish out there on these ledges, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And it's, you know, but it is, it's a, a totally different scenario from a landlocked reservoir or whatever. You know, uh, again, you know, we've talked about it in the past, and it's something that, you know, anybody that grows up and fishes on one or or is that their is their primary area to fish is a is a tidal fishery is you know, you just learn how important uh, that water movement is because it basically all the feeding patterns of everything just, you know, uh, primarily center around that. Uh, it just kind of wakes up the entire food chain when that water's moving. Yeah, and you know, like we had a guest on, um, or the first guy we had on today, he was talking about how, you know, on the Coosa and some of these larger lakes, it's just, they move into this summer pattern. And when the water's not, unless they're drawing water, uh, that water just gets still and it's just really hard to make fish bite. Uh, you have a little bit of that in the Delta, but you probably don't have to deal with that as much because you've got some current either going in or going out at all times, right? Yeah, I mean, we really do. And, and you know, you also have this flow on the main rivers. And, um, and of course, some of that's generated by the wind, too. But, but you know, I think, you know, when you really start focusing primarily on bass, you know, I think one thing that people kind of 
to underestimate is exactly how how much of a predator they are from the standpoint of uh, they don't necessarily want to um you know in in this fishery down here they don't want to get out there and just swim around i mean they really like to lock in on something and when that water's moving and bringing bait by i mean they want to ambush uh irregardless of whether you're talking about fish coming up on a uh, you know, a main river point right now, you know, and busting schools of shad as they, as they get washed by with the current, or you're talking about, you know, fish, it, you know, you're pitching plastic on vertical banks that have some wood cover, uh, which is one of the primary, you know, techniques that we use down here on these big swings, these outside bends in the river. Uh, you know, you have washouts, you have areas where you have just really, you know, and when I say deep, I'm talking about eight to 10 feet of water, you know, areas that get washed out. You got a good vertical drop and you'll have, you know, top and just wood cover that gets blown in there. And those fish can just literally pull up against those and just hold there, uh, you know, not necessarily being out in that current, but they're tucked in there. And, uh, you know, they just have a buffet just blown by them one direction or the other every day. So they can move up and down in the water column vertically and be comfortable. But uh, it's a matter of getting in there and really getting something by them. And, uh, but like I say, they, um, they love to just, you know, ambush something from that cover. That's all. That's really awesome. You know, last segment we talked about night fishing. Does that come into play with with the tidal system? Is that something that you know, tidal waters is? Do you guys do a lot of night fishing, or or you know, what is it like uh, night fishing on the delta? There's virtually nobody that does any night fishing down here. Uh, Twenty five, thirty years ago, they used to have a few night tournaments, but uh, pretty much just went away. Uh, you know, it's just not something that we do here on the Delta. And uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't be productive, but, um, you know, we just don't don't experience it much here. And, and I don't do it either. But, you know, I've, I've done a lot of night fishing and I really enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's just a lot different from fishing in the daytime, that's for sure. Uh, it's, uh, it, it can be challenging, but, you know, it is it is um, a lot of fun. I've done it primarily on lakes. So. Is there a particular bait that you're really just wearing them out on right now? Uh, you know, I've been uh, really my uh, – our water has been uh, fairly stained. And, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people – concentrate on you know color from the standpoint of uh you're trying to match a hatch from the you know both size and color and all that i don't really pay that much attention to that i really don't what i want is something that contrasts with that water color and like i say the majority of the time our water down here stays fairly stained especially when you're talking about the main rivers so I'm looking primarily for darker hues. I love black grape, uh, June bug, uh, solid black. You know, like I said, black grape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's colors like that plum. And at times, it really makes a difference. You know, I mean, you can change those up. You know, I, I love to, to 
primarily stay with those type darker colors. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you can't go out there with a watermelon worm, and, you know, and, and catch fish because you can. But my experience and what I see on a lot of my trips is, you know, if I stick with those darker colors, uh, the people I have in the boat that are throwing them versus, you know, a more natural, you know, like uh, some of the watermelon or, or colors like that, those darker colors are more productive here. And from the standpoint of size, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, but, uh, you know, this fishery down here, a lot of our fish, they eat smaller size bait. I mean, they eat a lot of little crabs. I mean, this delta from I-65 south, from really the middle delta all the way down to the causeway, I mean, all these creeks and main rivers are just absolutely loaded with these little crabs. And also with crawfish, you know, I don't throw a lot of big creature baits. Uh, this time of year, I I love to stick with a three and a half to four and a half inch bait. Baits like the Zoom Ultravive Speed Crawl, uh, that's a fantastic bait to, to flip and pitch with here. Uh, I just don't go with really big bait. Um, and But I throw a lizards quite a bit, you know, just a six-inch lizard, and they work really well here on the Delta also. Man, that's great. And I always love hearing the diversity of, of the Delta. And so, man, tell us, as always, tell us uh, how can people get in touch with you, come spend some time on the Delta with you and figure out the, the tidal water mystery. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can reach me at 251-455-7404. Well, Captain Wayne, thank you, man. We appreciate you getting on. Always look forward to hearing from you and what's going on uh, down in the Delta. So keep getting after it, buddy, and uh, stay away from that lightning down there. Okay, guys. Y'all have a great one. All right, man. Take care. See ya. Man, another good show, Stephen. Uh, Hey, two weeks in a row, we've heard from some pretty spectacular young men that have really done well. And I love, man, those are some of my favorite segments, guys. I just, I love seeing in the days of Xbox and travel ball and Mm. to see these kids getting out and and enjoying the outdoors and getting good at it. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. I love it, man. I, so loved hearing their stories and, and, and getting a little bit of report out of, out of Grayson. And then you know, obviously things are not always easy lemon squeezy in Alabama when it comes to fishing, but you can always catch them one way or the other. So. That's right, man. And the uh, segment with Mike, great to have him on for the first time and, and hear about this night fishing. And man, it makes me want to go do that because i'm already tired of summer i'm ready for fall to roll around so anytime you can get out of the sun and do something it's uh, it's a good thing here but we appreciate all our guests man and that is going to wrap us up for this week so guys please subscribe rate and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast and uh if you'd like us to email you the podcast we'd love to do that too just head on over to greatdaysoutdoors.com slash a FFR, and we'll send you the show each and every solitary week. So, you do, we'll give you a reminder, guys. We don't want you to miss it. So, uh, with that, man, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. And, Stephen, have a good week, man, and we'll see you next time. You're going to give it everything I got. All right, brother. See stay ya. safe. See ya.
This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Killer Dock. Check out the full line of all-natural dock-enhancing fish cleaning stations at KillerDock.com. And also brought to you by Geico of Mobile. Give Ron Davis, your Geico agent, a call at 251-445-0053 or visit him online at geico.com forward slash mobile dash AL. And brought to you by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com.